Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, March 17th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Google kind of returns to an in-person I.O., but just a little bit. The harsh new British law that could put tech executives behind bars. Netflix says the free ride of password sharing is over, though the gravy train of subsidized 15-minute delivery seems to be back on. Oh, and the rave reviews for the new Mac Studio. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Google has scheduled a sort of hybrid I.O. for May 11th and May 12th with a limited live audience of Google employees and some partners. Free registration opens this month, but there's some interesting details here, quoting The Verge. Google's big annual developer conference, Google I.O., will take place May 11th and 12th. The company announced Wednesday the event will once again be fully online, though it sounds like at least some of the conference will be live-streamed from the Shoreline Amphitheater, a frequent Google I.O. venue. This year's event will be broadcast in front of a limited live audience and is completely free and open to everyone virtually. Google spokesperson Alex Garcia Kumert said in a statement to The Verge, that limited audience will be comprised primarily of Google employees and some partners, according to a Google statement shared with Axios's Ina Freed. Registration will be free and will begin sometime this month, according to an FAQ. There will be no tickets, which seems to mean that everyone who wants to attend will be able to. Google I.O. was canceled in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic and returned as an online-only event in 2021, The company made a number of big announcements at last year's event, including debuting Android 12's Material U design, revealing updates to Google Workspace, and saying that Google's Wear OS and Samsung's Tizen would be merging into one platform now known as Wear OS 3, end quote. So your move, Apple, I guess, with regards to WWDC, though... Note that not invited to join Google employees and those select partners for the events live is the press. So really, this is just a remote like last year. They'll just have some events quasi-live. Again, I wonder if Apple will be brave enough to do something a little more in person. Technology executives could face criminal prosecution or even jail time if they don't abide by a new UK law that might take effect soon. Quoting the information, Executives from Facebook parent Meta Platforms, TikTok, and other big tech companies would face the prospect of jail time under sweeping new legislation proposed by the UK government that aims to curb illegal and harmful internet content. Under the online safety bill to be introduced on Thursday, tech executives may face criminal prosecution if they fail to comply with decisions made by the regulator in charge of enforcing the law. That penalty would kick in two months after the legislation, if passed, comes into effect, according to a briefing of the plans seen by the information. That's a more aggressive timeline than the two years mapped out in draft proposals last year. The provision to include liability for senior managers, not just companies, has been dubbed the Nick Clegg Law in Downing Street and among UK lobbyists in reference to Meta Platform's president of global affairs, two people familiar with the matter said. Executives will be found criminally liable if they destroy evidence, give false information to the regulator, or obstruct officials from entering company offices, the briefing said. Companies including Meta, along with civil society groups, have been lobbying against the bill, 
concerned that it would put onerous burdens on tech firms and curtail free speech. But the government's move to narrow the window for compliance will effectively start a timer for the industry. The UK government hopes to pass the law by the end of the year or by early 2023, according to a person familiar with the matter. For several years, the UK government has been drafting the online safety bill, arguing that radical changes to regulation were needed to keep children and teenagers safe on the internet. The proposed legislation would impose fines on companies of up to 10% of their global revenue if they fail to remove illegal content such as child sex abuse material. The bill would also require platforms to protect younger users from harmful content. The government's briefing flagged content that was linked to self-harm, harassment, and eating disorders. The proposals would effectively roll back long-standing liability protections for tech companies, commonly known as the Safe Harbor Principle, created by Europe's e-commerce directive. The protections are akin to those under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act in the U.S., which largely shields internet companies from liability for content posted by users. Some legislators in the UK want companies to be held legally accountable for all content that appears on their platforms, even encrypted messages. While some of the tougher parts of the legislation appear controversial in tech circles, the Boris Johnson-led government is confident the public largely supports the bill, particularly the measures aimed at protecting children, according to a person familiar with the matter. The bill was crafted against the backdrop of individual stories about children and teenagers affected by self-harm and eating disorder posts on TikTok and Instagram, incidents that regularly made the front pages of the country's news media. Recent polling on parts of the legislation shows a majority of respondents favor the online safety bill. Due to Johnson's Conservative Party commanding a majority of seats in the House of Commons, it is expected to pass, end quote. Bored Ape Yacht Club has launched ApeCoin, or, you know, cash sign APE, with 1 billion in total circulating supply and at the same time has formed the ApeCoin DAO, whose council members include Alexis Ohanian and Amy Wu, among others. Quoting TechCrunch. Even among the fastest growing crypto startups, Yuga Labs has had a particularly explosive year. The startup is behind the NFT project Bored Apes Yacht Club, which only launched in April of last year, but has quickly grown to become the most valuable NFT project by market cap. The price of admission to purchase the cheapest of the 10,000 images currently sits at around $240,000 worth of Ethereum cryptocurrency. As the startup reportedly looks to bank funding at a $5 billion valuation, a spokesperson for the company declined to comment on that figure, Yuga Labs is looking towards the future, detailing a new partnership for a play-to-earn gaming title built around a much-hyped token called ApeCoin. Multi-million dollar monkey pictures and monkey money are likely not the future you were expecting to capture the undivided attention of Silicon Valley VCs, but Yuga Labs hopes that the new game and token will inspire a mainstream crypto economy built around their IP, which further expanded last week to include the highly valued CryptoPunks and MeBits NFT collections after Yuga acquired the assets from Larva Labs. Editor's note, that happened over the weekend so we didn't cover it, but yeah, CryptoPunks and MeBits are now under the same umbrella as Board Ape Yacht Club, continuing to quote, 
Building up this economy will require some very particular legal maneuverings to ensure regulatory compliance. The SEC has largely been keeping its distance from NFT projects, though not entirely, but crypto startups selling tokens that act as unregistered securities has been an area where they've been more vigilant in cracking down. As a result, Yuga Labs is being very careful to isolate itself publicly from the token's launch, which will instead be released by an entity called ApeCoin DAO, made up of council members that are connected to the NFT project, but none of which are employees or executives at Yuga Labs. An organization called the Ape Foundation will also be formed to administer the decisions of the ApeCoin DAO. Furthermore, the DAO will carry official branding of the Board Ape Yacht Club project, which Yuga Labs is gifting to it by way of a one-of-one one NFT of a Blue Board Apes logo. If this all sounds a little convoluted, welcome to Crypto in 2022. ApeCoin DAO's council members include Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian, FTX's Amy Wu, Sound Ventures' Maria Bawa, Animoca's Yatsu, and Horizon Labs' Dean Steinbeck. Token holders will be able to vote on decisions in the DAO, while the special counsel quote will carry out the decisions of the community, a spokesperson says. Though Yuga won't officially be launching the Ethereum-based token, the startup and the Board Ape Yacht Club project founders will be the owners of nearly a quarter of the total token supply, while owners of Board Apes and Mutant Apes NFTs will collectively receive 15% of total token allocation. A spokesperson for Yuga Labs notes that they expect the Ape token to begin trading soon on major exchanges including Coinbase, FTX, eToro, Kraken, OKX, Gemini, FTX, Binance, and Binance US. The startup did not make any executives available for interview and declined to offer further details on the relationship between the ApeCoin DAO and Yuga Labs, end quote. When Netflix earnings and user growth hit a wall recently, I think we joked that they're finally going to have to crack down on that password sharing thing, right? Well, we weren't exactly joking. Netflix is apparently going to test an add an extra member feature in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru, letting primary account holders pay a fee to add users to their account not in their household. Quoting Variety, According to the Netflix Terms of Service, a customer's account may not be shared with individuals beyond your household. After years of turning a blind eye to password-sharing behavior that falls outside that requirement, the company last year ran a limited test, prompting users to enter their account credentials as a way to nudge freeloaders into paying for their own accounts. Now, in an upcoming test, launching in three countries, Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru, Netflix will let members who share their accounts with people outside their household do so easily but securely while also paying a bit more. According to Cheng Yi Long, Director of Product Innovation at Netflix, the new options will roll out in the next few weeks in the three countries and may or may not expand beyond those markets. With the add an extra member feature, members with Netflix's standard and premium plans will be able to add subsidiary accounts for up to two people they don't live with, each with their own profile, personalized recommendations, login, and password, for less than the cost of a separate Netflix plan, end quote. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? That's easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. 
Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So, get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1,000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. Well, the Mac Studio reviews are in. As ever, I'm going to go with the review from The Verge. As they don't really mince words at all, they talk about how they bought the previous 2019 Mac Pro desktop souped it up reasonably, and gave it to their creative professionals at Vox Media, who were apparently quite underwhelmed with the previous Mac desktops. They didn't love them. It didn't improve their workload that much. But now, with the Mac Studio, well, let's begin quoting. I've once again given this device to a host of professionals on the Verge's team, and the reactions I saw couldn't be more different than those we saw in 2020. They were impressed. For their workloads, it's faster than anything they've ever used. It's changed what they can do. So I'm relieved that I can finally, finally write in a review, the Mac Studio is the computer professional Mac users have been waiting for. There are actually ports on the front, including an SD card slot, which is a huge benefit for creative professionals. I was not prepared for how happy these accessible ports would make me. Every time I could plug something in without having to get up and duck behind my machine, it just made my day a little better. There are also two USB-A ports in the back, which I'm very happy to see that Apple didn't eliminate like it did on the 2021 iMac. These, in addition to being convenient for people like me who refuse to give up their USB-A mice and such, are another big bonus for professionals who use flash drives to transfer software and assets between clients. There are also four Thunderbolt 4 ports and an HDMI port on the back, and yes, you can run five displays out of a single Mac Studio at the same time if you want. This is all well and good, but the big news about the Mac Studio is what's on the inside, end quote. 
The review then gives anecdotal stories from various professionals at The Verge about how various creative production folks used their review unit. For example, their unit with the M1 Ultra allowed their illustrator to use features in Photoshop that he says he's never been able to use before. Quote, And that's ultimately my biggest takeaway from this testing process. I've reviewed a whole bunch of computers in my career that are aimed at this exact market. I often get a workstation that seems like it can keep up with various creative workflows. I've never reviewed one that seemed like it could change the sorts of things creators can make. And that's what I heard across the board. Not only did this device allow them to try more powerful, more advanced tools, but the speed it delivered also freed up huge chunks of their time to focus on other projects. The M1 Ultra really is about twice as powerful in some benchmarks as an M1 Max. On the multi-core benchmarks in Cinebench and Geekbench, the M1 Ultra was consistently getting double the scores of the M1 Max. This did not translate to doubled scores in real-world tasks, such as the Puget benchmarks, gaming, and Python benchmarks that we ran to simulate scientific workloads, there are clearly bottlenecks here that aren't just based on throughput, and performance will always reflect how well the program you're in can use all these extra cores and threads. Still, it's seriously impressive that Apple pulled UltraFusion off at all, end quote. Now, Note they say that the graphics are not what Apple has been promising. They compared the M1 Ultra to NVIDIA's RTX 3090 and say the NVIDIA absolutely destroyed the Apple chip. It wasn't close. The Ultra was way, way behind. So don't choose this if you're wanting to do serious gaming, I guess. But then if you're a serious gamer, why are you on a Mac to begin with? From the conclusion, quote, If you are considering buying the Mac Studio, you have a big decision to make. The Ultra or the Max? Our team used both. In general, the consensus was that the Ultra is a bit faster, like maybe a millisecond or two, but that was pretty consistent across rendering, scrubbing, and everything else they did, and those tiny improvements did add up to a slight but noticeable difference. On the other hand, everyone emphasized the Max is still very fast, and also faster than any of the devices they commonly use. My sense is that the Ultra, for these sorts of workloads, is not twice as fast as the Max, or if it is, the Max is already so fast that a half-wise decrease is somewhat negligible. It does not, to me, seem $2,000 faster. At the end of the day, I can talk your ear off about benchmarks and export times, but to me, personally, the best thing about this computer is that it works. I did not see anything crash or not work the way it was supposed to. What I did see was a host of professionals being shocked by how much they could get done by this machine. They were using the same software they use every day, but they were doing things with it they've never been able to do before. UltraFusion is not a kooky new idea that Apple is wasting our time with. It's real. Companies have been trying to mush two GPUs into one for over a decade, and Apple finally did it. This computer is a historic achievement, and using it feels like a privilege, end quote. Finally today, grocery delivery app Getter has raised a $768 million Series E at $11.8 billion valuation led by Mubadala with Sequoia Capital and Tiger Global participating, which you may or may not find notable considering all the heat that's been around instant delivery apps of late. But keep in mind, there's going to be some hella crazy consolidation in the space. In fact, there already has been, quoting CBS New York. 
Fridge No More, a startup that offered fast delivery with no fee regardless of size order, told employees this week that it was shutting down after a deal with a potential buyer fell through. The closure was the second in the span of a week by an ultra-fast delivery service in New York City after failing to secure a deal or financing, leaving hundreds unemployed. After the pandemic made on-demand delivery startups a lifeline for many Americans, the New York City landscape became crowded with startups offering ultra-fast deliveries. Fridge No More launched in October 2020, followed by competitors Joker, Gorillas, and Bike, which came in September 2021. A month later, Philadelphia-based GoPuff entered the city, followed by Istanbul-based Getter in December. Their fight for consumers brought rich discounts and splashy marketing, but the long-term potential of the business model remains unclear. Fridge No More CEO Pavel Danavol told employees in an email Thursday that a deal with a potential buyer fell through two days earlier and that it could not continue operating. Though the buyer was not named in the email, a source familiar with the deal talks told CNN Business that DoorDash, the publicly traded delivery company, had discussed acquiring select assets of Fridge No More, such as its real estate and products, in recent weeks and had been providing an undisclosed amount of bridge financing, a type of funding startups sometimes use to continue operations in between formal funding rounds, as it assessed a deal. Bike, which touted 15-minute grocery deliveries in New York City and Chicago with no minimum order or fees, confirmed to CNN Business that its 870 employees were laid off on Friday. The news comes days after the New York Post reported the startup had furloughed the vast majority of its employees as well as its CEO due to challenges over Russia sanctions. Bike's Russian founders had been providing bridge financing until that company closed its next financing round, a spokesperson for the company told CNN Business, end quote. Update on my experience with these 15-minute delivery apps. Remember how I could order from especially Getter to take advantage of a $25 coupon on a single order of groceries of, like, whatever dollar figure I wanted. And then, no sooner would I do that than I would get offered another coupon for $25 the very next day, and the very next day after that, and the day after that. Well, that sort of dried up quite noticeably as soon as March 1st rolled around. For the last couple of weeks, the offers were only for specific items like milk or something like that. I thought the party was over, but sure enough, last night, a notification came through on my phone to get $25 worth of groceries from Getter for two cents. So I guess it's back on. I still have to assume that Tiger and the rest have done the math and that this can all work out profitably eventually, someday. I mean, I don't see it, but for now, who cares? Once again, we'll ride this gravy train for as long as I can. Talk to you tomorrow.